Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. The Bible reading from Ephesians 5.21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one who ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Thank you, Elliot. Let's give him a round of applause. Didn't he do a good job? Well done. Okay. We are in Ephesians. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Dave, and uh, I am... Uh, one of the, well, the senior pastor of this church, and it's an absolute joy and privilege to be here. I wished I could have come and popped in at camp because I heard camp was amazing, but it was my son Benji's birthday, uh, and so I chose to prioritise my family over the church, uh, and I uh, am okay with that, <laughs> even though I'm sad that I've missed the camp. Um, would you do me a favour? Would you stand to your feet, and we're going to pray together. And then we're going to dive into this incredible passage of Scripture that's before us. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. Lord, we thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your word is good. And we thank you that even when your word seems confusing or counter to our cultural or social norms, that your desire is that we would bow to your word, not to our culture. Because your word is true. And it's good, and it's for our good, and for your glory, 
that we submit to it. So Lord, I pray that you would give us great understanding, that you would give us great humility. Uh, Lord, that you would give me humility as we approach this text. Lord, that you would let your words flow through and it would be the agenda of your spirit and nothing else that cuts us to the heart. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening in the precious name of Jesus. And all the saints said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Um, so as we come to this passage, even as it was being read out, I could just sense in the room that there's some people here who the arms would cross and the legs would cross and there's this awkwardness where we're like, oh, I don't like this passage, can't we just skip it? Uh, but we're not going to skip it because it's God's Word and there's such beauty in it. And my heart and my hope is that that beauty would be seen as we have a look at it. And we are a church, we are a people who do not ever want to read meaning into a text. We want to be a people who draw meaning out of the text. Are you with me? Because what we do when we put meaning or, or place meaning into a text or that we want socially or culturally, what we're doing is we're actually, because the word is the way that God reveals himself to his people. So for us to put meaning into it, what we're doing is actually creating a God in our image. That's easier to worship. But that's not what we're called to do. In Romans 6, Paul talks about that God's desire is that we, those people who are chosen by God, those who know Him to be Lord and Saviour, would be conformed into the image of His Son. Which means we as image bearers, created in the image of God, fallen and distorted through sin, actually need to change, not Him. True? Yes? We're the ones who need to change. And the way we change is by sitting in His Word. And as the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and begins to just ruminate in our hearts and begins to, as we have conversations with one another, iron sharpening iron, He just starts to knock away the edges and starts to refine us. And I'm the first one to put my hand up and say, guess what? I don't have all the answers. I am not perfect. And some of the things we're going to talk about tonight... I don't get right all the time. In fact, a lot of the time. But by the grace of God, yeah? And my desire is that I would be continually being conformed to the image of the Son. And my prayer for us as a church, for each one of you, is as you go on this journey with Christ, that you too would be conformed to the image of Jesus because that is God's heart, that is God's heart in the gospel. That's what we've been talking about in Ephesians over camp. This whole series is about here's the gospel. Isn't it glorious? It's incredible. And here's the impact of the gospel on our lives and what it should look like as our lives are changed into who we were created to be. Because we are image bearers, but that image has been distorted and He wants to just draw us slowly, slowly, slowly. We are sanctified. We are being sanctified, which is that word of transformation. And we will be sanctified on that final day when He comes home. And so as we approach this text, that's where we're at. A people who are seeking truth. Yes, that's what we're going to be about. And so tonight, I'm going to mention a naughty word. 
when I was at university studying medical science, uh, I did a subject called physiology. And when I was studying physiology, a part of that was to study the reproductive system. And my lecturer got up the front in a lecture and said, today, everybody, we're all sort of 18, 19 years old, and said, today, I'm going to mention a naughty word. A word some of you find funny, a word, all these sorts of things. This is big, long speech. And then she made us stand up and say the naughty words of the reproductive system. Because the whole idea was we want to normalise it. We want to break the stigma of it. We want to throw off the cultural implications of it. And we need to be able to just have a proper conversation. Yes. We're not going to say those words. The naughty word that we're going to speak about tonight is a naughty word in our culture and it's submission. Everyone say submission. How did you feel? Because it's a naughty word in our society. It's a word that we don't want to talk about. This whole idea of submitting, of submission, like it's, I don't like that. That, that That doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't it doesn't fit with what my culture says about me, where, where it's actually the culture would tell me it's all about me, that I'm worth it. Some beauty thing used to have that slogan. That shows how old I am. But this whole idea, it's all about me. And actually the Scriptures would say something completely different. And so as we come to Ephesians 5 and the beginning of chapter 6, this whole thing is this, this call and this urge to Christians, those who are in Christ, who have encountered the gospel and given themselves to Christ, that we would begin to submit to the authority of Christ. And what it speaks to is three earthly relationships, three relationships that we see in every common walk of life that are actually shadows. Now, when I say shadow, hands up if you know what I mean by a biblical shadow or a biblical type. So good, a biblical shadow, let me explain it. A biblical shadow or a biblical type is where you have real life, real people, real relationships, historically true events. So things that actually happened and exist, but also in their happening, they point to a greater reality. So for example, King David in the scriptures was a real person who really lived, who really wrote Psalms, who really was king of Israel, all of these things. But he is what you would call a messianic type or a messianic shadow in that his life and the way that he lived and so much about him pointed to a greater king, pointed to the fact that Jesus was going to come. The true Messiah was coming and would be a greater David. Moses was a type that there would be a greater Moses, are you with me? And so what we see in the earth today, in the world today, that there are actually three distinct types of relationships that are types that point to a greater reality of how God wants to interact with His people. And these types are marriage, family and work. If you're taking notes, pop that down. So three types, marriage, family, and work. Real things, like there's married people in this room right now. They're real things, right? There's families. They're real things. Work, who works? Some of you need to get a job. 
They're real things, right? They're things we encounter every single day in one way, shape or form. But also they're actually gifts of God to humanity to reveal something about His nature and the way He wants to engage with us. And as we look at these things and we see God's design in them and for them, we learn something about God. And what it will do, it will do two things. It'll actually conform us if we submit to it. It'll actually change us and make us more like Jesus if we follow His ways. And in so doing, as we are conformed, as we begin to look more like Christ and, and, and abide by what He's calling us to do, it actually becomes a witness to the world. Because people see that and it looks very different from everything else. It's what the Scriptures would call the aroma of Christ. You ever been in a room where someone just smells good? Yeah? My, my, one of my cousins is like that. He's just like, he's all, like you walk in a room like, where's Shahim? You know, like he just smells good. You want to be around him because he smells, like it's the aroma of Christ. And the idea is that as we abide by these biblical things in marriage, in family, and in work, that we would become an aroma of Christ, that the world would be drawn to it, even though sometimes they're confused by it or they don't understand it, but there's something that says, what is this, like, what is this about you? What is this about your marriage? What is this about your family? What is it about the way that you behave at work when everyone else is slacking off or doing whatever they're doing? What is it about you? Because there's something attractive about it. And the goal is that we then say, it's not me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And we point them to Jesus because this is what it's about. Is that good? I think another analogy for that, I was thinking about this is Captain America. Who's watched Captain America? Yeah? If you haven't watched Captain America, please do yourself a favour and go watch Captain America. The idea is Steve Rogers, right? Steve Rogers is this puny little man, but he has something deep within his character and his heart, right? And Steve Rogers longs to be a soldier. He wants to serve his country. He's the most honourable man. He's got all of these things going on for him. But he's just too small and he, and he struggles. And there's this serum that is invented. I can't believe we're talking about Marvel in this detail right now, but we're going there. A serum was invented that could create a super soldier. And so the government wants to take these massive, buff, incredible guys and stick the serum in them. And the inventor's like, no, 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 no. This serum, what it does is it brings what is in them out of them. So the, the depth of who they are will be manifest and seen in the world, right? And the whole idea is we have the hope of Christ in us. And so what Steve Rogers does is he goes in this machine and they put the stuff in. He's like, ah! And so he goes in puny and he comes out ripped, <laughs> you know, like amazing. And he can jump and do all these crazy things. But the whole inference is that it's what was already in him that has now been brought out of him as he submitted himself to the machine. Who's with me? <laughs> What we see in Scripture are these three relationships. As we submit ourselves to God's way in these things, in these relationships, He begins to change us. And what He's put in us will come out of us and, and be a witness to the world around us. Is that good? So the three relationships that we see, as I said, marriage, family, work. 
Submit yourselves, verse 21. Submit to one another. Everyone say one another. Out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the Saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. But wives... uh, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So he spends all this time talking about marriage and he goes, what I'm actually talking about is Christ and the church because it's a type, because it's a shadow. And so within these three images, there is this picture of Jesus as the bridegroom coming for his bride, that we as the church are the bride and that Christ is gonna come for his bride. The second image is we, if we keep reading that, it talks about children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment that comes with a promise so that it might go well with you and may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children and said, bring them up in the training instruction of the Lord. This is an image that points to God as father. And we as children, as it says in Romans chapter 8, where through the adoption of sonship, which, which is inheritance, we become children of God, sons and daughters of the living God. So this earthly families are supposed to point to the eternal family, God as father and the church as his children. So we see the, the bride and the bridegroom. We see the father and the children. And then we also see with slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that He who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. And you're like, Dave, why do you say work when it says slaves? And you have to, again, understand, draw meaning out of the text. In this culture, this is not talking about trans-African slave trade. So back in this day, slaves had pretty good conditions. In fact, lots of slaves were probably receiving an income. They were being, they were, mostly being looked after, sometimes abused, yes, but this is not a picture of slavery as we know sort of in, in the Western context and Western world. This is a picture here of work, a picture of employment, a picture of 
the church, because he's speaking to the church, he's speaking to the church in Ephesus where there are masters and slaves within the church. And God is not for that trans-African slave trade. He's not for like the sex tra- uh, slavery industry. That is an abomination to the Lord. That's not what he's talking about here, okay? This is a picture of what we would call work. Are you with me? And again, so this is a picture of masters and servants, that we as the church are called to serve our master, that we are called to not be a slave to sin, but we are called to be a slave to righteousness. We've been caught up in the Spirit of God that He has grabbed a hold of us and He is actually calling us to submit ourselves to Him and give our lives to Him that we would honour Him in the way that we live and the, the things that we do, that we do have a Master and He's calling us to be disciples. He's calling us to follow. He's calling us to lay things down, pick up our cross and follow Him. Because he is our master, but he's also our father and he's also in Christ, the bridegroom who comes for his bride. How are we travelling? That's the theological context, okay? So here's what we're going to do in the time we have. We're going to jump back to marriage and we're going to have a little bit of a look at what uh, Paul is actually saying here and we'll just see how far we get. So, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. The word submit here uh, is the Greek word, and I'm going to try and say it correctly, hupatasso. And what it means, it's a military term. Let me read the definition. It means to arrange in a military fashion under the command of a leader. In non-military use, it means a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility and carrying a burden. So when it's talking about submission, it's, it's not talking about, here's what submission and headship means. It is not about a husband or a male dominating or oppressing or lording over his wife. That is not what this means. What this means, what's this speaking to is this this biblical concept of headship, which means sort of authority or leadership. It's this picture of, of leadership over the relationship. And where it's derived from is, is really this picture in Genesis at creation. Can we go there for a little bit? You see, in the book of Genesis, God creates Adam first. And Eve later. And what we're going to see is you study Adam and Eve, you're going to see this picture that God wants within marriage. Firstly, it's male and it's female. It's male and it's female because male and female together are a picture of the image of God. When male was by himself, he says, it was not good. Everything else was good. And so God creates female. She is not less than male. I love the image that the female came from the man's side. Not from the foot. Not for a man to lord it over a woman. Not from the head that she would be above. No, no, from the side. That there's this symbiotic relationship side by side. And together is this glorious picture of the image of God. Together. 
the picture of in male and female. With male and female, we see something of the image of God that we don't see just in male and we don't see just in female. But in female and male, something of God's image and heart is revealed to humanity. And when they come together in marriage, it's this beautiful picture of what Christ is and how he relates to his church. So we see male and female within marriage. That is God's way. And the husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. There's this picture of leadership. In Genesis, you're going to see, again, Adam created first and he was given something to do. What was that? Work. Tend the garden. So the first thing we see, if you're taking notes, write this down, that the male, the husband in a marriage is supposed to lead in provision. Lead in provision. Lead by being work. Now, does that mean that a woman can't work? No. What it means is that if a man is sitting there doing nothing, sitting in the basement, playing PlayStation, sending his wife off to work, he's a rat. (laughs) And he's not fulfilling his biblical mandate of leadership. That a male should set the tone and be someone who says, I am going to provide. I am going to work. All right? And there's seasons of that. Like in our own lives, Joe and I, when we got married, all right, we both worked. Then we had children. She stayed at home and looked after them while I worked. Then a few years later, we high-fived. She went to work. I, well, started studying, looked after the children and um, we planted Little Hampton. The key is around there, it's, it's about ladies. Let me put it this way. If you're dating a guy at the moment and he's a sluggard, can I use that word? Can we have real talk for a second? If his plan for you and you're talking marriage is, yeah, 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 like let's get married and then we, you know, we can move into my parents' house and we can, we can stay in my bedroom and mum can cook for us and he's not ready for marriage. Yes, because he's not ready to lead and be the head of the house in a way that will represent Jesus as our provider, as the one who worked and works on our behalf. That is the picture of the husband, the one who works on the behalf of his bride and provides for his bride. How many of you know that Jesus has provided everything we need for life and godliness? When he said it is finished, he provided for the church. And the husband is supposed to work as a shadow, as a picture of what Christ has done and to lead his wife in the acknowledgement of who Christ is and how he provides for us. Yes? The second thing, the second way the, man, the, the husband is supposed to lead is spiritually. We see that Adam already had relationship with the Lord before Eve was even brought from his side. That the husband, again, ladies, you should be looking for a guy who loves the Lord more than he loves you. Guys, if you're looking for a lady... Look to the Lord. Focus on Him. Love Him with all of your heart, mind, soul and strength. And I promise you this, God will bring the right person along at the right time. 
Because it's only then when you are someone who is seeking God first and you're someone who says, He is first and foremost and my priority and I'm going to lead in that way. You, when you look at me, I want to be a picture of Christ to you, a very fallen picture of Christ. But my heart is to bring you up and draw you to Christ. As a husband of my beautiful wife, Joe, I want to be someone that she looks at and says, you make me love Jesus more. I never want to be someone that she looks at and says, I don't want to be anything to do with Christ because of the way you live your life. That would be dishonouring to Christ. It's dishonouring to her and it's not what marriage is supposed to be. Marriage, a husband is supposed to lead his wife to Christ, supposed to lead spiritually. How did Adam go? Not great. (laughs) Which is why Christ comes as the one who leads perfectly. And there's so much more I could say about that, but we've got to move on. Here's the third thing. The husband is actually supposed to lead romantically. Do you know the first thing Adam says to Eve when she's created, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, is actually a Hebrew love poem, a song. Now, I know you're thinking that's a pretty bad song, Adam. (laughs) But it is. It's written. The the beginning of creation is like a musical. It's this beautiful Hebrew poetry, this beautiful, like, it's this beautiful singing. And it's this picture of, of romance. It's a picture of pursuit. Yeah? A picture of pursuit. Guys, you are supposed to pursue your beloved. Don't sit back and just play hard to get. Don't do that. Let her know you're interested. As you're seeking Christ, you should be the one who gets on your knee and says, will you marry me after you've sought permission from dad and mum? And we'll get to that in a minute. You should be. Because it's this picture of pursuing, of romance, of chasing after. Because what did Christ do for us? Come on, Allgate PM. What did Christ do for us? Did he sit back and be like, hey, if you're good enough, you'll get here? Did he do that? No, he pursued us. He chased after us. That's the picture of God through all of the scriptures. Even after Genesis 3, where they sin, the first thing God does is come to them. He knew they'd taken of the tree, he knew it. And he still pursued them. And then he sacrificed and he, he, gave, he, he clothed them. And then he, he kept pursuing. And then he pursued Abraham and made covenant. He pursued Israel and he pursued and he pursued and he pursued and he pursued through the prophets. And then in Christ, he comes and pursues to the point of taking on flesh, dying on a cross at the hands of the very people he pursued. That's what it means here when it says, wives, submit to your husband. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. This is not an offensive thing for a wife to submit to a man who is dying to himself for your betterment. That's beautiful. And that's what a marriage is supposed to look like. And by the grace of God, through the empowering Spirit of God, sometimes we get it right. 
And sometimes we fall and we get on our knees before him and we pray and say, Lord, forgive me. And we say sorry to our wives and say, I want to be better because I want to be more like Christ. We are supposed to pursue because Christ has pursued. And then the last picture is that actually we're supposed to lead sacrificially, that a husband should lead in sacrifice. And this is the picture of Genesis 3 because this is where Adam got it wrong. Eve takes the fruit, she bites. Adam takes the fruit, he bites. God comes, what does Adam do? Her fault. (laughs) The very first thing Adam does is he throws Eve under the bus. Yeah? He takes zero accountability. He goes, oh, she did it. She, She gave it to me. Zero accountability. And that happens in Genesis 3 after the fall. That is a picture of the fall. That is a picture of sinful husbandry, if I can use that as a word. That we don't take responsibility. What does Christ do? The better Adam. What does Christ do? Suffers and dies. I need a bit of interaction here, all gate PM. (laughs) He suffers and dies. He leads sacrificially. Even when he's hanging on a cross, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That a husband never sits there and throws his beloved under the bus. No, the husband says, Father, forgive them for they know not. The husband takes responsibility because Christ took responsibility. We are supposed to take responsibility. It's a part of loving the wife as Christ loves the church. And in that picture, that's something that a wife can submit to her husband in. That's the picture of headship. A headship that points to Jesus. Now, you say, Dave, who can live like this? (laughs) Do I live like this all the time? If Joe was here, the first thing that would come out of her mouth would be no. And that causes me to get on my knees and to say, Lord, make me more like you. It doesn't make me say, oh, that's a rubbish picture. I will not submit to that. (laughs) That's not, that's impossible. I can't do that. Therefore, I'll just do it my way. No, no, that's not how this works. As we've been talking about in Ephesians, we don't just do it our way. We don't say, well, I don't like that way, so I'll do it my way. No, the picture is this is grand, glorious picture. It's supposed to point us to Christ because he's the only one who can truly fulfill it. He's the one who fulfills the law. He's the one who draws us and changes us and transforms us. And as we submit to him and as we wait upon him, we say, Lord, change me, make me more like you. Then we begin to see some evidence of this. We begin to see husbands laying down their lives. We begin to see wives submitting themselves to a husband who's laying down his life. And that is a beautiful picture to the world that says there's something different about this Christian marriage. They're not screaming at each other. They're not lording it over one another. They're not competing against one another. No, no, actually, there's this symbiotic, almost a dance that goes on. That's a, I love that image. I love that at a wedding ceremony, you finish with a dance because it's kind of that picture of this is what it's supposed to be. Two becoming one. 
as they move together under the authority of Christ. That's marriage. And again, there's so much more we could say about that. But let's just go on to a couple of other quick points and then we'll, and then we'll close. Let's talk about beginning of chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. When I was younger, when I was a teenager, we had a rule that we had to ask mum and dad for the biscuits. Anyone got that rule in their house? Got to the point where dad hid the biscuits in his jock drawer because people kept taking the biscuits. But the rule was we had to ask because asking was a sign of honour. The dad was the authority in our house and we just didn't get to go and take the biscuits. We waited, we asked, we sought his permission. My friends would come in, they'd be like, that's ridiculous. Why do you have to, it's a flipping biscuit. Why do you have to ask for the biscuit? Like, because that's what dad said. Because dad is the authority. And so that is actually supposed to model the way that we act, the way we honour mother and father, the way that we submit to mother and father's authority. That authority, interestingly, it's when marriage happens where it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. So that authority ends There, we still honour, but they no longer have authority to speak over and tell you what to do in your marriage. When you get married, you become your own entity. Seek wisdom, seek counsel, give honour. But if your parents are dictating every decision you make in your marriage, there's a problem. It's awfully quiet in here. We leave and we cleave, right? But until that moment, we actually, we actually, if you're in your parents' house and under their roof, you're under their authority and you honour that authority. And when they say, I don't want you to do that or I don't think you should be engaging in these things or I don't like that or I don't like this, if you're under their roof, obey. That's the Christian picture. Even when you're like, oh, that, 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 that's not fair. Don't you know I'm 21 years old? I can do what I want to do. All right, well, go and move out of home and cook your own food and do your own washing. But if you're under their roof, you're under their authority. That's the biblical picture, yes? And this is, again, it's a shadow of of God with His church, that He is sovereign. He is Lord. And there's lots of things that we might not understand. There's lots of things that He he says and he commands and he desires for his church. And sometimes we're like, oh, I'm not, I don't, I want to do it my way. But the picture here is no, 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 no. We submit, everyone say submit to his authority as father. Submit to his authority as father. Knowing that he's not going to exasperate his children. And parents of us who have children under our house, let's not exasperate our children because as parents, we're supposed to be a picture of God, the Father's heart that says, Abba, Father, and pours out generous love. Discipline, yes. Truth, yes, but in love. Desiring to build them up in Christ. Last one, and then we'll close. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear 
and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. When I was in university, I got a job at a heater factory making gas heaters. Now, anyone who knows me knows that's not my thing. I'm not like my tool is a microphone, not a hammer, right? And so I started, I was excited. I was like, I'm going to get to do manly things, make stuff. And then on the first day, the guy comes out and he goes, right, here's what I want you to do. See that enormous box of metal? I want you to wash it. So I sat there for eight hours with warm soapy water, a, a cloth and pieces of scrap metal, which were never going to be used. And I washed them. And at about the two hour mark, I was like, I think I'm done. But for some reason, I was like, no, because I've got my dad's voice always in my ear. He would harp on about this stuff all the time. Work as if you were working for the Lord. Whatever you do, do it with all your might as if you were working for the Lord. So I'm like, oh, shut up, Dad. All right. (laughs) Wash the metal. Wash the metal. I was like, great. Finished my day. Fantastic. That was clearly just a test. Next day I come back. He goes, there's a box of metal. Wash the metal. Day after day after day, washing the metal. I could have yelled. I could have screamed. I could have abused. I went home and said, Dad, I do not. This this is wrong. This is the worst work. Dad just said to me, are they paying you? I was like, yep. And he goes, well, do the job. Do the job they want you to do. After a couple of weeks of faithfully washing the metal, I got to strip the wire. (laughs) After a couple of weeks of stripping the wire, I got to start putting things together. And the guy who ran it, it was his business and his whole thing was about, will you serve with respect and honour? Can I trust you in the little things with attention and detail so that I know that I can trust you with the big things. Such an awesome lesson for me with the idea of work. What do you do when no one's watching? God's way is we work knowing that God is right there. And every opportunity we have is to honour him in whatever we do, with whatever task he's given us, knowing that it's to the glory of God and knowing that that is a witness even to them, right? Even to them, like that they would see something and go, wow, this person just keeps scrubbing the metal. (laughs) Their face might say they're not heaps happy, but they haven't complained once. They've worked diligently and faithfully. There's something I see in this person that's worth investing in. It's a picture of Christ. Yeah? Yeah? If any of you become business owners or people who employ other people, what's the message to you? Be like the good master, yeah, that we see in the Proverbs, that be the good master 
who honours his workers, who loves his workers, who champions and believes in his workers, who cares for his workers, the one who would give to the last the same amount that he gave to the first. Because that's the picture of God and that's the picture he gives to us and says, this is what I want my masters on earth to be like. That's the picture of a spirit-filled church and all of it reveals Christ and his authority and us as the church that we would submit. Everyone say submit to his ways and his authority because he is the head of the church. We don't tell him how to lead his church. We don't tell him how to grow his church. We don't tell him how to shift his doctrine. We don't tell him how to do anything. We hear in his word and our job is to humbly obey by the grace of God, by the power of his spirit, knowing that as we submit to his ways, he will glorify his name in marriage, in families, and in work. In the simple, mundane things, God wants to bring glory to his name. Amen? Let's stand to our feet and close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's good and though we could only brush the surface tonight on topics we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks unpacking, I pray that even in that brushing, that truth goes in. Father, we thank you for the the beauty of the institution of marriage. We thank you that marriage is your gift to humanity to point us to Christ. Lord, we thank you uh, that authority has nothing to do with dominance. We thank you that, as uh, I was talking about with my dear friend just before, the beautiful picture of authority of, of you, Lord Jesus, washing your disciples' feet. And as you humbly sat at their feet and washed their feet, there was not one person there who was confused about who was the person of authority in that room. Lord, I pray that we would be like that. That we would bow our knee to you, not to our culture. That we would not reject headship, that we would not throw out the word submission because it doesn't sound nice or it seems to clash against our culture, Lord, but we would see it in you we would embrace it and we would take up the responsibilities and the roles and we would run with it for your glory, championing one another in the roles that you've given us, believing the best and longing for you to glorify your name and strengthen us to do it in a way that honours and pleases you. We praise you and thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving.
We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.